look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, Faisal. How about you? Good. Well, good. that's good to hear. Better than last weekend. Why? Because last weekend's last... weather was crap. Oh. Yeah, no, that's fair. Wasn't that great? Yeah, it's great. I hope we have a nice, beautiful, long fall. Right? Yeah. I think we're due for one. Yeah, because the next isolation period we're going to have Easy. is winter. Easy. We're getting closer and closer. Someone's going to raise a Stanley Cup. That means winter's coming now. Oh. Let's not go there. <laughs> Let us enjoy the dream right now. Please. Looking too far? Gosh, Looking too far ahead in the future? People are turning the radio off now. <laughs> Stick around. We'll, 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 we'll take Faisal down a notch here. Okay. <laughs> Listen, we got a really good show today because we want to talk about the global economy, and we've got recurring guests that we have on, a, um, a chief investment strategist. Help us understand, with all the increase in volatility, what's going on. Is this something you know that we should be responding to, panning about what, what's happening? So uh, Miles has been a terrific uh, guest and a member of our advisory committee, and uh, we want to share some of those thoughts with you today. Yeah. And what about if you're thinking about selling or buying a property? Yeah. There's a disruptor in the market, mm-hmm. and he's going to save you thousands of dollars uh, by by using his program. And so a lot of people that are approaching or living in retirement or selling or buying a home or whatever, if you can save a lot of money there... That's that's more money in your pocket, particularly in a market like ours, which has been under pressure for a very long time. So right? this is a, a a great topic to talk about outside of conventional stocks and bonds as mm-hmm. an alternative investment, which is real estate. And yep. how do you save money in those transactions? It's going to be great. So um, the markets this week have been um, a continuation of volatility. Okay, so so here's here's a conversation I had this week, and I'm going to frame I'm going to frame this particular segment around it. Okay. Okay. The segment's called. I have a gut feeling. You have a gut feeling. I have a gut feeling. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. So, listen, I'm sure there's lots of people that have lots <laughs> of gut feelings out there. And uh, when volatility goes up, stomachs start to churn. And that's the gut feeling for sure. Okay. But is a gut feeling enough to make, to build an investment thesis on, to make an investment decision, to take action in your portfolio in response to something? A gut feel. You know how many people have approached me this week with the same comment? Right. I have a bad feeling about the markets. Right. I have a bad feeling. Mm-hmm. I have a gut feel, a gut feel. about what's going to go on with the government, taxes, whatever. Right. Can I can I say one thing here? Because mm-hmm. I don't. We're going to talk about about that, um, but I don't want to diminish the fact that there's a there's an emotional response happening. Sure. Okay. So let's just su- set that aside. Yeah. I get that the volatility actually creates that churning of the gut. But now the question is, how do we translate the gut feel yeah. into some form of action or non-action? Correct. Right? So it's that, it's that mechanism of transmission into what you're going to do yeah. and avoid catastrophe. Emotional decisions, more often than not, lead to catastrophe and the permanent destruction of capital. And that's what we're trying to help people understand and avoid here. Perfect. Okay. So the gut feel. Well, what's the gut feel? So, listen, I, I, this, this conversation was this week with a, uh, a particular client, but it's the same conversation that I have all the time with people, okay? I don't feel very good about this, mm-hmm. right? So, I want to go to cash. I want to sell my investments. Everything. Put everything in cash. Everything's going to cash. Okay. Okay. So, I said, oh, okay. Uh, why? Well, I have a gut feel. Well, okay. What's your gut telling you? Go to cash. Okay. 
So if we go to cash, okay, if, if, if we're making an all-in bet on any asset class, and cash is an asset class, mm-hmm. okay, what's your thesis? So let's break down the gut feeling into what you're not feeling good about. Yeah. Now, that conversation can lead it down any number of different paths. But, sure. But more often than not, Faisal, my, my experience is that it, it just scared. Yeah. Okay. So it's not a specific. It's not data. It's just I'm scared. The gut <clears throat> feel will lead to generally two different outcomes: yeah. fear or greed. Right. I have a gut feeling right. I'm going to go buy this business. Right. I have a gut feeling I'm going to buy this stock. Right. I have a gut feeling I'm going to sell. Right. Right. Fear, greed. Okay. And so when having this conversation um, is always, it's it's academically interesting for me. Yeah. Right. Again, I understand there's an emotional component to it. But as we dig in trying to, uh, trying to have a person express what they're afraid of, yeah. there's all kinds of stuff. And i got to tell you, very often has nothing to do with the economics of the world or anything else, right? It could be a headline that they've read, or it could be a family member's gotten sick, or they've gotten sick, or, you know, there's something else going on. Yeah. Okay. So let's set that aside, whatever the case is. Here's when you have the gut feel. I want to give you some thoughts and some guidance, because you need to calm yourself, right? You cannot make emotional decisions because... The high probability is that that emotional decision, the reaction, will create a problem for you at some point. Correct. Okay? So if that's the goal, let's work backwards from that. What do you do? What does a person do when they have a gut feel? Well, you need to stop and you need to try to analyze why. What's going on? First of all, is it even related to your portfolio? And if it is, let's figure out what data you're concerned about. Mm-hmm. Okay? And listen, we've had lots of conversations well, Biden's going to get elected and this is going to happen, or Trump's going to get reelected and this is going to happen. And, you know, so there's sometimes real risk issues, uh, you know, data points that they're concerned about. Okay. Okay. So if we can identify them, write them down, take a moment, pause, write them down, right? Just get it onto paper because if if you're a do-it-yourself or this is an important step, if you're working with an advisor, when you're communicating with that advisor or advisory team, you want to bring that data so that that person has an understanding and help diagnose what assumptions you're baking into your, your thesis, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's really like going to your doctor. Make sure you've got some data you can take to the doctor to say why you're in pain. Get hmm. the data, okay? Write it down. Take a pause. Think about it, okay? And then, and then what you have to start to do is you have to start to analyze the various outcomes, Okay, and attach some probability. So, okay, if Biden's going to get elected and you're concerned about taxes going up and in affecting corporate profitability, okay, to what extent, right? So the emotional reaction, forget about what data point it is, often it's all in or all out. Yeah, it's a decision of one or the other. Right, and, and start, with the, start with the fact that it is not one or the other. Yeah. There is no binary outcome, Yeah. right? It's not a one or a zero. It's impossible. There's too many moving pieces yeah. in the whole scenario, right? And so what I would, what I just wanted, and this is it's a conversation. Again, the specifics of the conversation are less relevant than, than the process. The process was, okay, I hear you, mm-hmm. and I understand that you're scared. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's now start working through what are you truly afraid of, okay? Okay, let's write them down. So this, what could happen under this case? Well, you know, bang, everything's going to go to zero. Well, are you sure? Okay, well, you can. You, so it's interesting you say that, Dave, because when I've sat down with, with clients who, who have those fears, we use our whiteboard quite a bit in our offices, mm-hmm. or we'll use on something online when we're doing virtual conversations, and we'll, we'll say, okay, let's look at your thesis, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, and let's put a probability it's going to happen. Is it 100%? There's no other outcome that's going to come out of it. Right. 
And they go, no. Okay, so let's put a probability. How much conviction do you have behind this outcome happening? Mm -hmm. Make up a number, 80%. So there's a 20% chance you're wrong. Mm -hmm. 80% chance you're right with your gut feel. So do you put all of your money? Right off the bat, right? It says no. Yeah. Right off the bat. And then, and then here's the other, the, the broad stroke, right? When we start with that emotional reaction is everything's bad. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Everything can't be bad because if everything is bad, you just defined an extinction level event. In which case, it doesn't matter. We're gone. We're gone. Yeah. So it, is everything bad? No. Okay. So yeah. if not everything, gotcha. what's going to benefit? And, and, and this is the process I want to, because we're, we're in this period again where people are gut feels. It's emotional driven. Calm yourself. Yeah. Write it down. Have an informed conversation. Attach probabilities. You're not investing for just tomorrow. There is no binary outcome. Build a strategy that gets you through whatever period you're concerned about and then continue to monitor it. Fair? Which requires a process. Process. And which Let's requires a strategy, a discipline, and a process. And so why don't we talk about ours at our next upcoming seminar. <laughs> that was smooth. On Tuesday, September 22nd, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register for this. So please, go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, well, listen, stick around after the break because we're going to try to put some perspective in this. We want to help you understand what's actually going on in the global economy right now. We're going to do that after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We've got a terrific uh, guest with us today, Faisal, recurring guest on the show, uh, Miles Zyblock. He's going to help us understand a little bit about the volatility that we're seeing in the markets now. Uh, and how do you navigate this? Like, what should you expect over the next 12 months? How do you position yourself? And there's yourself? a whole bunch of things that are happening yeah. oh, that we can forecast in the near term. There's a rise in cases. Yeah. There's an election yeah. coming. Yep. There's uh, probably more stimulus needed. So more debt's going to be piled on. Yeah. Um, these mortgage deferrals are coming off. People are talking about all these things saying it doesn't look good when it comes to the markets. Right. So we got to get some clarity on this. Let's find out. So uh, Miles Ziblock is the chief investment strategist at Dynamic Funds. Miles, welcome, uh, welcome back to the show. You know, it's always great to be here. Thanks, you guys. So let's try to make some sense of this, and uh, we got about a ten-minute segment to uh, to try to do that. <laughs> but why don't why don't you just give us a, a, a take on where we are today and kind of what you're what you got your eye on? Sure. So you know the the, the markets, the equity markets, particularly the global markets, have uh, are up a lot since. Uh, what's a, a very serious and nasty bear market in in the first quarter of of 2020, and you know the markets have come up, and and many of them are are near flat uh, for the year, and the U.S. is slightly above flat for the year. So there's been a what I call a heroic rebound in, in asset prices, and you know over the last let's call it. Uh, I guess since the beginning of September, really, there, there's been some volatility that's crept back into the market where what I call this year's winners or the momentum stocks, uh, many of which were in technology, in the technology sector, they've, they've given back some gains. And, you know, that's got, I guess, some people a little nervous here, this volatility where you've, you've given back 5 or 6% uh, in, in the last few days alone. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's been uh, a, an incredible uh, rebound off the March lows. Uh, I think a lot of that was incited by uh, unprecedented, as you guys mentioned, unprecedented, uh, policy stimulus, mm -hmm. not only from fiscal policymakers, but monetary policymakers. And I think that started off the rally. Uh, but, you know, over the last, let's call it several months or a couple months,
couple months at least, uh, we've seen a better tone to some of the economic data, and, and I think that's encouraged investors to stick their foot even uh, further toe, let's call it even further in, into the water. So all of this has, has led to one pretty, pretty fantastic rally off the bottom. So, Miles, what's the outlook for the next 12 months? Dave and I were talking about some of the uh, events that are happening, some of the information and possibly more stimulus coming down around the world, not just Mm -hmm. not just in the United States. Uh, What's your outlook for the next 12 months? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think the, the the one thing we can all be fairly fairly confident about is is more stimulus. I mean, uh, you know, central bankers at least through the end of this year have telegraphed that they're going to spend uh, trillions more uh, in buying bonds, all sorts of bonds, whether it's corporate bonds or or government bonds, out of the secondary markets to try to keep interest rates very low and help support the recovery. Uh, that is an ongoing thing. We know right now in D.C., uh, Congress is not fighting about whether or not to spend money. They're actually fighting on how much they want to spend. Uh, and, and that's a whole different, you know, uh, subject altogether where, you know, the U.S. is thinking about, I mean, both sides of the aisle, they're thinking somewhere and anywhere between a trillion dollars and additional spending up, upwards of two and a half trillion dollars. So, uh, like I said, I think the stimulus is one thing you can, you can bet on continuing. Uh, and I think that, you know, they've showed, shown their hands here, and I, I think the stimulus will be in place well beyond, uh, you know, what I'd consider a recovery or the beginnings of a recovery. I think we're already into the early stages of an economic recovery, and I think they will just keep stimulating and stimulating well into that. And, and now, look, there's, there's, there's some risks out there, no, no question. I mean, one is that it is going back into the winter season uh, and kids are going back to school all over the northern hemisphere. And we do worry uh, or are concerned about future outbreaks and what that might do to activity. Um, We we also know that there's a a really big, let's call it contentious election coming up in the U.S., uh, and and that could create some nerves. Um, So there are some risks out there on the horizon, but ultimately I think, you know, the economy is starting to recover. So for investors today, and let's let's focus on those who are approaching or living in retirement and they're worried about not only their income in the short term but the long term of their assets or their portfolio what would you th- what would you suggest as a, a a what's the mindset we should be going into and number two what kind of a breakdown of a portfolio would you be would you be talking about Sure. So let me just talk, first of all, when you're, when you're talking about equities, everyone loves the, the long-term returns of the equity market, uh, but they forget about the risk associated with that. And, you know, whether we're in good times, bad times, we're in cheap stock markets, expensive stock markets, equity volatility is really part and parcel of equity investing. I mean, you know, you, you get a, a 5% or greater correction about three times a year. A 10% or greater correction typically happens about once a year. And, you know, you get the bigger ones, the 20% plus, they happen every few years. So th- that's one thing. We, we have to be realistic about, you know, the volatility that we assume when we buy these great returning assets like equities over time. Uh, so, so once you are sort of comfortable with the idea uh, of, of risk or volatility, then you can start talking about asset allocation. And I think, you know, the most important thing for people uh, to, to, you know, everyone's a, sort of a hindsight investor in the sense that, oh, I should have been in this asset class or, mm-hmm. oh, I should have had more of that asset class with the, with the rearview mirror. I think what you really have to do is, is, 
is, you know, nobody really does know uh, the, the future with 100% certainty. So I think ultimately we're talking here about a well-diversified portfolio, and this well-diversified portfolio maybe doesn't get you at the top of the performance ladder, at the, uh, at, you know, each year, but it definitely won't put you at the bottom of that performance ladder. And I think it gives you the highest odds of achieving long-term financial success. So obviously when you're talking more about uh, the retirement cohort um, who doesn't have the time to sit and wait after a big sell-off, obviously, you know, more of that, uh, more of their dollar should be put towards, uh, you know, let's call them safer assets or less volatile assets. And these could be things like, you know, government bonds, corporate bonds, et cetera, uh, and, and less in the way of equities. Now, you know, what would I say? I, that's really a personal opinion on what, what you know, uh, uh, on what I think is the right allocation for the individual investor. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the one thing I think that is most important is to make sure that you are diversified and understand that even with 40 or 50 percent equities, uh, you, you, you will assume some volatility in that portfolio because over time, about 80 to 90 percent of the volatility in uh, a diversified portfolio comes from the stock market. So that's just something to keep in mind when you're thinking about portfolios. Again, it's great to get those great long-term returns from the stock market, right. but the reality is you're going to have to also assume more variability. We've got about a minute left, Miles. Uh, One thing Dave and I have been talking about for over a decade has been our five-pillar investment strategy approach. Two of those pillars are alternative investments. You've been talking about alternative investments for a long time as well. Yeah. What are your thoughts, and, and, and is this, in this type of a market and economy, is this the time that we look at alternative investments? So, you know, when we look at uh, the, the, the traditional asset classes, let's call them uh, stocks and bonds. I mean, you know, the U.S. stock market, for example, which is about 55, 57 percent of the global equity market, it's that big. Uh, you know, the, you can't say the stock market in the U.S. is cheap. It, it's on the, on the higher end of the valuation range throughout history. So, you know, you have to think that you're likely to get a little bit lower returns through time out of the stock market, a little higher volatility. And, and the same, you know, you look at, at bond markets everywhere. Interest rates are incredibly low. Uh, and, and so you have a little more volatility coming out of these traditional asset classes. You have a little bit lower returns. And I think the one way to augment or reinforce your return streams is through alternative investments. Now, alternative investments are anything but stocks or bonds. I mean, they could include, you know, real estate, land. They could include various types of equity strategies, long, long, short equity strategies, long, short credit strategies. There are many types of strategies or assets that are considered alternatives. And the important thing about these alternatives uh, is that they tend to behave much differently than stocks or bonds. Sometimes they go up when stocks go up. Sometimes they go sideways when stocks go up. Sometimes they go down when stocks go up. But when you have this alternative return stream in your portfolio, in addition to stocks and bonds, you you have a good chance that you have some cylinders firing uh, at all times. Uh, So, yes, I think, you know, you asked me, is it a good time today? Uh, I think today is a good time for alternatives. I think yesterday was a good time, and I think tomorrow is a good time, because truly it's about helping to diversify that return stream in your portfolio to generate more robustness in the way your portfolio performs through different economic and market scenarios. So, again, alternatives, I think, are something that, that... are open to everyone now, given regulatory changes that have happened in Canada over the last, say, two years, year and a half. And, and so, yes, I think it's a, it's a great time to be looking uh, at alternative investments and including those in a portfolio. 
Miles, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you for you know making some sense in 10 minutes of what's going on and I think giving some people some comfort uh, how to position going forward. Appreciate your time. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Bye-bye. We've been joined by Miles Zyblock, who's a chief investment strategist at Dynamic Funds. Uh, my friend, we have to talk about these five pillars that you referred to and how to get through these kind of weird and unprecedented times because your retirement doesn't end next week, yeah, right? It's going to go on for a very, very long time. Yeah, it's profiting and protecting in these types of markets. We're going to talk about this on Tuesday, September 22nd, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's more than moneyradio.com to register. Want to find out how to buy or sell a home without paying a commission, an agent's commission? Stick around after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back to uh, 770 CHQR and more than money. You know, one of the biggest asset classes that uh, anybody owns is their house. Yeah. And um, buying or selling a house can be stressful, complicated, and expensive. Right? Commissions and the way we do it, the traditional way we do it, there's all kinds of stuff involved. So, so we talked about this, I think, a month ago where the real estate values in this city mm-hmm. over the last, I think it's 13 years, have not really given you any rate of return. Right. So the price you would have bought a home 13 years ago is about the same average price it is today. So people are looking at this and saying, well, I want to move, mm-hmm. sell my home. And the one thing that comes in the way is how much they have to pay to sell their home. And so in my conversations with business owners in this city, Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to meet someone who's a major disruptor in the real estate market. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Dave, is, is, has been able to provide a service that's online that can help these individuals save thousands of dollars in real estate commissions Mm -hmm. and still sell their home. Now, he's going to be able to do a better job explaining what the heck he does, (laughs) but I was quite surprised on how this is a Calgary company um, doing it for Alberta, branching out across the country, and we know that retirees are looking at selling their home moving, yep. so on and so forth. Yep. So how do we how do we put this all together and help help these individuals look at an alternative way to save money and still get the home that they want? So we want to introduce uh, Robert Price, founder and CEO of Bode Canada. Robert, thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be on. Well, Robert, let's uh, let's give you a second just to tell us a little bit about the uh, the company and the history. Why why uh, you know why are you disrupting? Tell us a little bit about what Bode does. Yeah, we we founded this company on the premise of we wanted to have a modern, easy, low cost experience uh, that we would use, and that's we have four founders, and we're all people, let's say in our mid thirties, that have had that type of experience across other industries, and have basically grown up with the ability to do transact and purchase online, and this is the next evolution of that. So, we are the first digital marketplace that connects buyers and sellers directly online with tools and data that they need and without the requirements of an agent. And uh, launched a year ago, September last year, and since have become a top 10% brokerage in the province. So very excited about the traction that we have, a little over 90 million of assets in our marketplace, and and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, it sounds like it's been a lot of fun, and congratulations to you and your partners for that. Let's let's just talk a little bit about this. So, um, what are some of the if somebody's going to do this on their own, right? Now, there's no agent. What are some of the things that a person 
has to know, understand if they're going to enter into this digital marketplace to buy or to sell? Yeah, one one big key, I would say, is really understanding the value of your home. And particularly for retirees, about a third of our customers are retirees. Mm-hmm. Um, given they've transacted homes many times before, they now have the confidence to just be able to do it themselves. Um, but one one big key to that is having a regular pulse on the value of your home has been very difficult in the past. You're either relying on a highly, politi- highly politicized tax assessment that you get once a year or some, you know, an agent that you might hire, but that's uh, more for the transaction itself. So we've come up with market tools, sold data, and comparables, uh, three different dimensions into the value of your home that you can simply look at on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, um, in this in a similar context that you'd look at your whole stock portfolio. So you have a pulse on the value of your home. You know, there's there's two parts of the home. There's the emotional side of it, of course. You've you've raised your family there in a lot of cases you've had great memories and that's all very important. The other half of it is it is an asset and it's very important to keep a regular view of what's going on with that asset in the marketplace uh, overall. You know, just on that particular point, Faisal, this will be interesting. One of the things we often talk about is the whole mark-to-market pricing, the daily price action that you see in, in say, equity markets and stock markets. Yeah. That can right. freak people out, right? Yeah. Because some days it doesn't look so good. Some days it looks amazing. So I'll be very interested. I think this is really cool. I think price discovery is a really important part of any marketplace, including real estate. And price discovery has not been particularly accurate, forthcoming, or easy to come by in the housing market. But it may have an unintended consequence where people get a little nervous about that. And it, it may have some nervousness. So let's let's. How do we calm those nerves down? So Robert, when you're when you're listing your home, you're doing it yourself. You're you're basically putting your price in based on the the data and information that your company is providing. Then there's a whole bunch of other stuff. There's showings. There's documents. Mm. There's negotiation. How does a how does an individual do all that? Yeah, yeah. So we've we've built a a fully online part of that service. So if you, if you take the sell side, you would list your property uh, in eight to ten minutes. So it's it's filling out price and home descriptions and features and square footage and all the typical things uh, that a buyer would need. And then we populate that listing on realtor.ca on our own site, Kijiji and 30 plus other sites, and we digitally market it so that you get visibility online. 92% of people of all Canadians start their search online. So critical that you're in as many of those places as possible. And then once a buyer uh, is interested in your property, they can directly message you uh, using our messaging tool and book showings using a calendar tool similar to an open table type experience. So once they've seen it, we also ID verify if that's, uh, if you've requested that to make sure that the identity is taken care of and we're, we're dealing with real people. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately you can make the, the offer uh, through our negotiation tool fully online. So it's the key terms of an offer. So you think deposit and pricing and attached, non-attached goods, and the various elements you're able to negotiate back and forth uh, to agreement, and then that automatically populates a contract, a sales agreement that we 
set up for you and sent to your lawyers for clothes. So we've done that about close to 50 times uh, in the last year. And, and people are very, our, our number one feedback is people feel really confident and really empowered because they have the full transparency and full control throughout that process. And ultimately it's eliminating a whole bunch of face-to-face conversations about 19 on average that you would typically have when you have a buy and sell agent involved in the deal. All right. I got to ask the question, Robert, how much money does a person save by using Bode versus a traditional realtor? So, so you list for free. Um, so that, so we take the risk of, of the home not selling, but we, we have been selling above market or, or faster than the typical, uh, the typical provider. And so we charge 1% of the sales value at close upon success, and whereas the typical brokerage in Canada would be 4 to 5%. So it's 70% less, and that's, of course, retaining your, your key equity. And at this point, as, as you know, we're talking to retirees, of course, most of them no longer have income, so keeping as much of that hard-earned equity in your pocket is, is critical. Okay, um, that sounds amazing. I mean, this is the kind of disruptor, technology disruptor stuff that's happening in all industries. You need to check out the website. Yeah, fascinating you need, to hear Honestly, this. Dave, you got to take a look at this because it's the how seamless and easy it is to maneuver just to look at homes. I tried to look at your home and see if I can put it on sale for you, but <laughs> thanks. I, I didn't have the proper information on the inside of the home. I barely let, moved in, man. Let give me, me in chance. your house so I can sell your home for you so I can give all the information. Um, but but it's, it's a very cool uh, website, very easy to use. I, I suggest anybody who's looking at either buying or selling, give Boda an opportunity to... Uh, to help you do that transaction. Yeah, that's great. Robert, we want to thank you for taking some time with us today. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. We've been joined by Robert Price. He's the founder and CEO of Bode Canada, B-O-D-E, Bode Canada. Um, Listen, uh, the house is an important element of the lifestyle attached to retirement. And, you know, sometimes it's got memories to it. Sometimes you're going to downsize. Sometimes you're moving to a different location. But it's an important piece of the puzzle. It's a very important piece of the assets, of the total wealth total that you wealth. have. Total wealth. And right. so how do you bulletproof your total wealth? Right. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, September 22nd, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break if you're interested to find out how alternative investments can protect your retirement. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, We've covered a lot of ground today there, my friend. Let me kind of talk about one of the pieces that we had a conversation with Miles today. Yeah. And I want to bring this up to you because we mentioned at the beginning of the show talking about gut feel. Yeah. Miles came on the show in, uh, right after talking about the global economy, and he touched on one area called alternative investments. Right. And today, there's a lot of fear out there with what's happening in the future, so the stock market looks risky. On the other end, bonds, fixed income, right. GICs, savings accounts are offering next to nothing, after inflation and taxes, hmm. you're guaranteed to go broke safely. Yeah, if you're sitting in cash, as an example, yeah. right? Yeah. So you've got 
two asset classes. Mm -hmm. Traditional. And cash as a third asset right. class. These traditional asset classes either provide a high volatility with potential return or no real return, but less volatility or no volatility. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's it's like there's like nothing out there that can kind of give you the best of both worlds. Well, there's a gap. Like when you, you know, if you're watching this on video, you would see, but on radio, it won't trans translate as well. But you've got these bookends you're talking about, right? Yeah. On the one hand, the potential to make return, but, you know, higher risk and perhaps valuations high. This other bookend with no return, but very low volatility. And there's this big gap in the center. Yeah. Right? So what we've done for over 10 years now has and we've introduced this program or this concept called the five pillar investment strategy right. approach. And in that approach, two of the five pillars is alternative investing. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we would do a disservice to our listeners if we didn't explain or go into alternative investing. Sure. Yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's an area that people need to educate themselves uh, around given the environment you've just laid out, right? We've got to look to, um, to at least for some piece of our investment portfolio, we think, to some non-traditional sources, yeah. right? But you've got to educate yourself about this, and you've got to get proper advice on it to make sure that it's put properly into it's your portfolio. It's suitable for it's your situation. Suitable. That's yeah. right. Okay, well, let's start, with, let's start with an alternative asset class that most people will be familiar with, but perhaps won't define it as that. Gold. Excellent. Okay. It's an alternative to traditional stocks, so we're not talking about the miners. Yeah, we're talking about the we're talking about bullion. the commodity itself. That's right, right? So commodities are alternative asset classes, right? Yeah. Now, gold, uh, silver, people will be familiar with that. Most people aren't investing directly in, say, oil or natural gas and whatnot. They'll have the, you know, the E&P companies or... Yeah, they'll, you know, they'll have a yeah. company that <clears throat> company, yeah. works on the commodity, but not yeah, the exactly. commodity itself. Um, so, so when we say alternatives, it doesn't have to be crazy and exotic, okay? It can be things that you already know about, okay? Correct. Now, does gold perform the same way as a bond does? Does it perform the same way a stock does when we talk about the bullion? It doesn't. So it's alternative to those asset classes. Correct. Okay? Now, whether or not anybody should have that in their portfolio, again, just get proper advice about whether you should or you shouldn't. But that's a good example of an alternative. Now, we can get more exotic, right? Yeah. So, Faisal, if you want um, exposure to things like um, infrastructure, so a lot of government money going into building dams and highways and toll bridges and roads and whatever. A train going from Calgary to Banff. Right, right. <laughs> all over the world, yeah. right? Yeah. Trillions of dollars. So another alternative asset class that, that is available through various mechanisms are, uh, are investments in infrastructure. Yeah. Not just in Canada, right? Around Anywhere the world. in the world. Yeah. Okay. So that's an alternative asset class. Let's go a little bit more exotic. Okay. Okay. Let's go into the stock market. Hmm. Okay, so let's say that we want stock market exposure, but I don't necessarily want all the risk of the stock market. Stock market if it falls. Yeah, how can I create a strategy or protect myself against you know these big potential falls if that's a concern? You can do hybrid strategies. Hybrid. Okay. Okay. Now, I'll introduce the notion of of long short strategies. Miles indicated that earlier. Yeah. Well, what the heck is a long short strategy? Yeah. Well, traditional investing when we invest in a company, we hope it goes higher. Yeah, you we buy make low, money when it goes higher. Buy low, sell high. It's called a long position. Okay. Okay. Well, how do you either protect or profit if a security, company, bond, whatever the case may be, falls in value 
Well, we call that a short position. So that's selling high, buying it back lower. Right. Okay. Now, uh, I don't think we should go through the mechanics of it. If anybody's interested in how exactly a, you profit on a short sale, we'd be happy to go through it with you. But there's some unique risks to, to short selling that you don't have in taking a long position. For instance, if the, if the idea is I sell a security high and I have to buy it back cheaper to make money, well, what if that security keeps going up and yeah. down? Yeah, you have unlimited risk on the upside. Right, you have unlimited risk. So, that, you know, that's not suitable and appropriate for most investors, right? Yeah. But if I can pair things up together, right? So if I can have a long position and a short position on two companies in the same industry, I can really mitigate risk relative to the industry. Yeah. And then I can play the relative movement of the two companies. Yeah. Right? So I can create a, a, um, an environment where uh, if a market is moving down, I can profit. Or if it's moving up, I can profit. Don't ever, don't hear guarantee anything I've said. Yeah. Again, seek advice on these things. And if Miles new to talked you. about this when he said, <clears throat> by putting in an alternative investment, like a long short, as mm -hmm. an example, what you're doing is getting another cylinder in your engine. Exactly. That if things are going up and this asset class doesn't perform well, right. that's okay because you've got multiple cylinders. Right. If Markets are going down. Stocks or bond market goes down. Right. This cylinder might be able to outperform. Right. So you've got another tool in the tool belt that helps you build a portfolio and provide you with return and reduce volatility going forward. And I think that's where pension plans have done this for decades. Yep. Endowments have done this. We've done it. We've done it for over a decade. And so this is this we want to educate people about it because it's becoming more important, right? I think when we have the concept of all or none, right? Stocks or cash, right? No bonds, bonds, stocks and bonds, a balanced portfolio. You're gonna hear this in our industry right. a, lot. a lot. You need a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds. Well, we just talked about the biggest problems in those two asset classes today. Right. So you need other tools in your tool belt. Right to build a portfolio or a foundation for a strong retirement. Yeah. And if you can reduce volatility, and I say this time and time again, probably every seminar and webinar, yep. the secret sauce to making a good, strong portfolio. Long-term. Long-term. Losing less means making more. Right. If you can reduce the volatility. Yeah, in periods where, where markets are pulling back and you, you cut the bottom off, right? Yeah. You don't, you can't afford those 30% falls. Limit that. When the markets fell 35% in March, mm -hmm. our portfolio didn't even fall half that. The recovery oh, for the, us... You're talking the growth portfolio. The growth portfolio. Yeah, not the, the income. Forget market. about yeah. our income. I'm talking yeah. about our growth portfolio yeah. where we have alternatives, yeah. where we have bonds and stocks, a well-diversified, multiple tools in our tool belt. During that time, the mar our portfolio didn't fall as bad as the stock market not did. Even close. And the recovery for us to get into profit was faster than the market was. Yeah. And that's the, the secret sauce for a great yeah. performing long-term bucket of money right. that you can use throughout your retirement. Miles said something really important. We'll, we'll try to end it on this, this idea. You know, he said that, um, and this is something that we ascribe to, and we're just talking about from a growth perspective now as you move into retirement. 
right? You've got to think clearly about what your goals and objectives are. Mm-hmm. Because people sometimes, the transition is hard for them from an investment perspective because they've been used to accumulating money, putting money in, and they're, they're shooting for growth, like maximizing growth. Yeah. But like Miles said, when you maximize growth, if you're 100% equity exposure, okay, you've, you, you've got to assume that volatility risk. Correct. Right? And as time lanes compress because you need to start taking money yeah. from a portfolio, you may not have an extended period of time to recover. And so the rules of investing, particularly for people that are moving into retirement and have a lifestyle to support, have changed fundamentally. And this is the stuff we talk about on our webinar every single month is how do you compress those swings so you can make more money, lower volatility, increase the probability of success in your retirement. We're going to discuss that on Tuesday, September 22nd, 7 p.m., live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR, and we sure hope you're going to tune in again to listen to us next week. Talk to you then. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.